just no, it's good. Uh, one of your topics about the, you know use that risk assessment. I've uh, I've shared that with our project team as well. Nice. And uh, before you get talking about importing the equipment list from Chrysler into there, yeah, I do want to. I I told Rich I would text him to jump on the call so he could hear that because he's actually working on a big one right now. This he was going to do this weekend. And he, at this point, he's planning on having to manually type in all the bottle and serial numbers. And fortunately, it's a job site that's already in Price Builder. So, yeah, I uh, I hit record just so we can try to share this with other people because I don't know if Daniel's going to be able to make it. But um, yeah, I was. It took a while because I was plugging and playing all those serial numbers into um, into the risk assessment, and Fawn actually showed me, hey don't you know that there's a way to find out the total tons and don't you know that there's a way to export that and um, she didn't know about the exporting piece but Andrew in our office Andrew showed me how to export it and sort it really fast so I've I wanted to make sure we show that um, so, all right so I'm gonna start why don't well, we just give me a heads up before you start that piece of it so I can get rich on the phone to jump on real quick just for that part all right well um, if he's around, why don't we do it now? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll come back to that, but I'll, I'll go ahead and get started. Just let me know when he's on here and we can go to that. Okay. Um, so why don't we talk about this RFP template first? Uh, I'm going to share my screen. So I get all the time, and I'm sure you guys do as well, when people say, oh, that sounds awesome. Guess what? we got to bid it out. Uh, it's quite frustrating. This is something that started because of the airport. Um, I'm working very hard to get the Columbia Metro Airport. I sent this to you guys to look at. So please you know, pull it up if you want and look at it with me. Basically what we've got are several chunks here and all of the yellow parts are places where we can leave it to the customer to edit or we can edit them for them. Um, where it says customer name, if you simply go up here to replace and uh, where it says parentheses customer name, you know, type in customer name and then replace it with the customer's name. I, I did that for Hope Health. Um, so when I sent this to him, it had in there the customer contact person. It, it, like I filled out as much as I could for the client and I found that to be very beneficial. Um, but there's some things in here that are yellow that obviously can be taken out, like the predictive piece, sustainability monitoring. If that's something that they're not even interested in or they're not ready for or you're not ready for, just take it out. But basically, the way I sell it to the customer is when they say, oh, I've got to bid it out. I actually told a guy yesterday at the city of, um, at the city of Orangeburg, the administrator, he's like, yeah, you know how we have to do, we have to bid it out. And I'm like, okay, yeah, great, no problem. We've got a tool that I'd like to send to you that I believe you'll find very helpful. This is a, an RFP template that we, I think you'll find to be of great value. It's got in there things like, you know, middle of July or August when your systems go down, you want to make sure that the company's financially capable of replacing that, that compressor that they told you they're going to replace under this full coverage, right? And then they're like, oh, yeah, that'd be important to know that they're financially capable. Or you want to know that they're able to um, 
that they've got a 24-7 hotline that you can call when there's a major service call. You know, not every company out there, especially the small mom and pops, they don't have a 24-7 line that you can call when there's a problem. So, you know, just having wording in there that we'll make sure we're comparing apples to apples in here, uh, you, you really want to have this kind of wording. So we've developed this over a couple different bids, and a lot of this came from our uh, school district bid that we got. You can see in here that, you know, it says give the financial position. A lot of mom and pops aren't going to be able to do that or have the manpower to put all that together. Uh, th things like here, we, I tell the customer, especially when I walk through this with the customer, I'm saying, hey, you want to make sure that this guy that you hire to do this, this bid for you guys is not going to sub half of it out to somebody else that you don't even know. So we've got wording in here that if you're going to sub more than 10% of the cost out that we need to know about it. And you have to report to us, you know, this, this other contractor that you're going to let work on our systems. Vendor requirement, it talks about the vendor requirements. Obviously, the people working on your equipment need to have licenses, right? Well, instead of just asking for a price, why don't you make sure that the, the, the wording is in there that, hey, they've got to have state licenses in South Carolina or if it, you know, Rob, if you're in North Carolina, you can change the South Carolina here to North Carolina or Georgia or whatever. Um, you know, things right here. This is the uh, non-emergency calls talking about the service line. So I just wanted to share this with you guys and open it up for questions. And I'll say going into that, that licensing, there's actually different levels of mechanical licensing. And we have the top tier. You can even be more specific with that because not all mechanical contractors have that particular type of licensing. And it's like, you have to get with Andrew to kind of see what it is, but it's like, it allows for, you know, boiler projects, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a more of a universal uh, mechanical contractor's license. Thank you very much for elaborating on that. Uh, this right here, guys, is, is one of the most beneficial things that I've found. I like to say things like, in this industry, everyone likes to be very vague about what they're doing. I said, we like to be very clear. As part of our franchise, Link Service, that's what sets us apart. We're very clear on, on our tasking. We know exactly what needs to be done per a piece of equipment, how many labor hours it's supposed to take. And we like to be very clear and upfront about that. So in your RFP, Mr. Customer, Let's make sure that our definitions and our terms are all the same. So we're all in the same playing field. You know, what does it mean full service maintenance? And so we've got it here, as you can see, a blurb that we took out of the uh, school district bid, test and inspect. What does it mean when they say that we're going to test and inspect? You know, we're actually looking for worn and failed and doubtful parts. Preventative maintenance. You know, what does it actually mean when they're saying they're, quote, doing preventative maintenance? I see all the time. I, I follow behind people that just did their PM and the, the fans are caked with dust, <laughs> you know, the coils are dirty, the filters might or might not have been changed. Uh, we just want to be very clear on what we're doing and, and what those definitions are. So I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it, but this is the, this is the main part right here. We want them to list out what their bids are for the, the full service contract, so that's our G. The C2, which is right here, limited service contract, that's a C2. 
and then the remote monitoring on top of that. Um, and we can talk about that and, and get a little bit more in, in, you know, in depth with that if they're interested in this whole dynamic piece. Um, but this is what we're using for the airport to try to make sure that the, all the people that they have bidding on this thing are able to do the things that we're able to do. I do like here where they're required to list out their general manager, their service manager, their energy engineer. I mean, let's get real. How many of our competitors actually have a controls engineer, you know, number of service technicians? Uh, so I'm going to stop that right there because we could spend an hour reading over this, but it's, it's a very powerful tool. Uh, all they have to do is plug in where they drop off the bid, when the deadline is, and they can fill all, all this in with their procurement people, but okay. I don't get. Well, it looks like uh, Rich has joined us, uh, so whenever you want to come yeah. over and cut, cover the uh, let's do it. Reporting. Give me one second. Let me stop sharing and then start sharing. The legend himself is on the screen. Uh, all right, so when you go to... I don't know about that. <laughs> Looks like you're in a burger joint. Five guys. Yeah, that's it. Five guys. Yep. All right, so we all know how to get the equipment inventory. I'm going to use Cardinal Newman as an example. When you get to this page and you export the... Well, you haven't exported it yet, but when you get here... Um, we all know how to print it to a PDF, I believe, but what you do is you go to CSV, okay, so click on that, and just somebody speak up if my screen doesn't share as I transition over here. Um, but it, you give it five seconds and it drops down and it, it brings this CSV file. I'm not sure if you'll be able to see this or if I have to stop sharing and share again. Give me one second. Can, can you see that? No, it's still the, uh, yep. it's, hold on, something's happening. All right, hold on. No. I'll bring it back up. There you go. Okay, so this is what happens. This is what happens whenever you export it, and it's a lot of stuff, okay? It, it's a massive list, a lot of columns. The only thing you need to remember is to go to data, sort, and it's going to drop this little screen down here. You want to sort by, just remember this one right here that says string code. So data, sort, TXT master string code, and hit OK. And what that's going to do is this column right here, the one that says TXT master string code, it's going to list all of the equipment sorted by this category like this this column so when you're putting things into price builder you want to make sure on that little part where you can put in the what they call that piece of equipment like lab fan or um, rtu as long as you got something in there we can sort by this all this other stuff below it you can simply take this right here and go down and delete it all so i'm going to go down here highlight it all and delete it. All that is are all the compressors, all the fans, all the heat. You're not going to need that for the risk assessment. But now you've got these 93 pieces of equipment and there's a lot of duplicated 
columns. So you can delete what you want, but the main parts that you'll want to keep are, give me one second. So these first five or eight or so, I always delete. I like to keep this first column here because it's got, if it's a package unit, if it's an exhaust fan, I like to keep that. Um, you might keep this one because it's got all the different numbers that they call their units. You might want to keep the brand if they've got multiple brands. But this column here, it's got all the serial numbers, so you obviously want to keep that. But instead of having to manually type in each one, you simply take the whole column of serial numbers and you right click and you say copy and you go over here to this risk assessment tool and you plug it in. And that'll line up along with the, uh, this column right here. You copy and paste that over. You copy and paste the, the type of unit it is. And then you keep on going. So it'll also have in here, this is the tonnage or the horsepower or tons, whatever it is. If it's a fan, it's a, normally a horsepower. But you copy that column as well. You can copy the manufacturer date. That's this column. Uh, this is the the serial number. The other column was the model number. So that's how you quickly can move all of this really fast over to. Uh, let me open up one real quick. Can you see this little pie chart here? No, not yet. All right. Let me know if it switches. We're still looking at the Excel spreadsheet of the equipment information. Yep, I figured that. Give me one second. Let me switch spreadsheets. So normally I have one open up on one screen and one open up on the other screen so I can easily copy and paste it over. All right, so this is my... I emailed you guys this right before the meeting for you to look at. I'm going to try to show you why I chose this one. But see that column that said package units? This is that whole column. So I would just go to that other sheet and paste it all the way down. The tag number, I paste all those down. Uh, the grade, we're given pieces A through F, A, B, C, D, or F. Um, and I could go over that some more if, if, you know, if we need to. But manufacturer, model number, serial number, the tonnage, the manufacturer year. Um, I like this column here. This is the age of the unit. So I can do a quick calculation. As you can see here in this formula bar, it's taken the current year minus this year, which is the install date. So that'll automatically tell you if it's two years, six years, 24 years old. You don't have to do that manually if you put the installation date into the price builder. Uh, and then this budgeted number here per unit for this job I used three thousand a ton uh, three thousand dollars per ton just because they're large 50 ton units um, but you might want to talk to a project guy if you need to know what what that number is the reason why I picked this one to show you guys is I was I loved how it had it had six F you know, six of them were failed, and I colored those blue. And 
the way I explained to the customer, I was like, you know, when I did the on-site survey, you had six units that were cold. I mean, they weren't doing anything. They weren't heating or cooling. They were off at the breaker. And so I coded, I coded those as F because they, they have currently failed. But then you can see the other ones that you have running are in D condition because they're 24 years old. And he's like, wow, I didn't realize they were 24 years old. So this pie chart just gives a quick visual for that C-level, C-suite person to really see, okay, I've got Fs, I've got Ds, I've got some Cs, and I've got you know a couple B pieces of equipment. And then we could talk about each of those. The exhaust fans didn't have any, um, they didn't have a tag on them, so I couldn't get the exact year. Um, I just had to say, look, I think I could get about five more years out of those if we take great care of them. I could tell they've been here since the building was installed. And so I just put out here, you can see five years out, I just put a number, $2,000 a piece, just to have a talking point. I said, I don't know exactly what those cost a piece for these big fancy exhaust fans, but we can help you take care of those and extend the life out of them, I think another five years. Um, the way that I sell this, and Justin saw me do it at a verification meeting, the way that I use it is I bring it out within the first five minutes of the verification meeting. Um, I, I print it out on a, a 11 by 17 piece of paper. Um, it's color, it's colorful, it's engaging. I slide one copy to the customer. I go over it with them and it's like, wow, this guy actually, like this guy did some work, you know? <laughs> Uh, but it also is powerful because nobody's ever done this for them. And hey, then, Matt, have, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. So, I often wonder how they're perceiving our presentation when we talk to them about the fact that their unit is 24 years old, yet we're saying in this case it's got a negative nine years of usable life. Well, my job is to sell maintenance, not projects. So I, I believe we can extend the life of the equipment if we simply get in there and take great care of it and have it running like it's supposed to be running. We've got pieces at Zeus that have been running 35 years because we've been taking care of them for 35 years. So, Right, but the counterpoint could be, hey, listen, you're only going to last 15, or as is, but whatever number we've been doing, we're already getting 24. I agree with everything you said about how we sell and how we have some here at Champion Aerospace at your place at Zeus that have been 30 plus years. But do you understand my question? Not 100%. No, I know I know what you're saying. So like whenever you go into a verification meeting and on the first slide, it you know lays out how much money you should be setting aside each year to be able to, um, you know, for replacements and it's a negative number. And they're like, well, what does this mean? I think what this does is it puts into a visual where you know you're having the same conversation of if you don't make investments the right way at the you know at the right times, it puts you into a situation of having a lot of financial risk. So like when you bring this you know that sheet up, you can say, look, you have you know seven currently failed pieces of equipment, and that total comes out to 1.5 million dollars. You know what's your plan for that well what happens if while you're going on that plan 
another one for another 150 pops up? How would that impact your business? How would that impact your budget? I think this just gives a better visualization because a lot of people in the verification meeting, they skirt right past that first page that shows you the total asset value. And it's hard to get people to buy into like, well, nobody, you know, nobody budgets, you know, $150,000 a year to replace equipment that's still running. And it's like, yeah, that is very true. However, these days, the cost of those units have doubled over the last two years. And now lead times, if you have one failed, you're not getting one next month. You're not getting one the month after. What would happen to your business if you have a unit that goes down and you can't get a replacement for 11 months? You know, we want to be proactive, blah, blah, blah. Thank you. I agree. I do agree that it just hammers that point home that we oftentimes try to make. And the visual certainly helps. Thank you. Well, I don't, I haven't run into a situation at all yet, and I'm still new here, but I haven't run into a situation where explaining to them how old their equipment is and how it's barely hanging on combined with the photos that I'm getting ready to show them where coils hadn't been cleaned, belts aren't aligned, things are falling apart, you know, insulation's falling off of their, their pipes. It's like, I like to show this first so we get the numbers of how much assets we're talking about. Is it 5 million? Is it 2 million? Is it 30,000? It gives them a scope of, oh man, this is a lot of it's a lot of value on my roof, you know. Uh, it, it puts and a number I, to it. And, and I think a, a big part as well, and we run into this, you know, even our existing clients, is they always put money to budget for capital replacement, and then, you know, they're typically in the operations facility side, and, hey, we need $200,000 for new RTUs, and when it comes down to it, it gets cut. And every year it gets cut, gets cut, gets cut. And this kind of brings to the, to the forefront of, listen, guys, like, this is something you're going to have to address. You know, you know, we, we can help you get, you know, the maintenance side, we can, we can help you get through and help you prioritize, but as it stands now, you know, you've got over 50% of your building's assets are at or past useful life. You know, what is your current plan to help budget and prioritize that based on actual condition equipment versus, you know, just immediate failures? So it does start putting together that plan that at this point it's been pushed, it's been pushed, it's been pushed, and you know, this kind of exposes that, you know, based on those years and years of procrastinating and, and, and deferring, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And when it happens, how are you how are you preparing for that? Because we do have to start really looking at maintenance. That our preventive maintenance is truly a phase one of our overall approach to how we're going to help them. You know, as we start getting into the dynamic and the other part of our discussions, maintenance is only phase one. That's not the end, the beginning and end. It's just how we can, you know, really get the the core piece of, of your building operating right, and then be able to do further deep dives of capital planning of solutions to reduce energy consumption you know all those other things are going to be coming into play so i'd like to uh, add a couple of things one thing is first start matt fantastic job on that thing 
That is hell of a platform. Great, great thing to put out there. Here's one that Rich is, is working on or just did. So it's uh, it's being used. So that's awesome. Yeah, but, and everybody knows I don't accept change very easily, but I was quick to drop on it. I've actually done five or six of them. Um, the only things I've added to it is the logos. I did the dynamic logo and the total comfort logo up on the top. The other thing I did is I added lines for refrigerant type and for refrigerant pounds. I don't think that one can, has it on it. The one I did last night does. That is another talking point. That's a big talking point that you guys may be missing with your customers. Carbon footprint and the amount of refrigerant that they've got is actually a very big deal. Usually there's something, someone in every business that is actually tracking, monitoring, and trying to reduce that as much as possible. So uh, last night I had to spend like three or four hours doing the same thing, modifying it, getting all this stuff pulled in for Thor because their corporate wants to know what their carbon footprint is and especially the amount of refrigerant they have. That's awesome. Thank you for that addition. It's good stuff. Yeah. And so one of the nice things too is, and I'm not as good with the functions as you may be able to do, is if we had a drop down for refrigerant on there so we could select the refrigerant, it can automatically calculate based on tonnage, just do a multiplier two or two and a half and give a generic amount of refrigerant. Um, we could also put in there something as far as cost per pound, because when the customers start realizing that, you know, they're, they're at $150 a pound for R22 on the roof and they've got a thousand pounds of it, that's a pretty drastic cost that they've got to deal with and that they're managing. That's awesome. Uh, I wanted to add one thing too, you know, when I'm in the concept meeting, I like to sell, especially when I get to the back of the concept flip book where it's got the process and I say, you know, we're a part of a franchise, we've got a lot of processes, we're in the concept meeting right now, the next step we're going to the assessment and I point to the bottom where it says that financial benchmark, I talk about how that's where we do the building scorecards, but that's also where um, I like to do the a risk assessment and the benefit of that is we're able to red yellow green look at it holistically from all your equipment with all the model numbers and serial numbers and the way I sell it to the customer is wouldn't it be nice to know that if a compressor goes out on a on a red item that's 24 years old that we can look at a spreadsheet and you can make an educated decision about hey this is 24 years old it's red we don't need to change out the compressor, let's just change the unit and have an educated conversation about that instead of just trusting the, a random technician that shows up and wants to sell a new piece of equipment. Vice versa, most we're seeing a lot of times where people don't want to actually make the repairs and prematurely they're trying to sell you a new piece of equipment instead of actually making a simple repair. So wouldn't it be nice to know that if it was a green piece of equipment on this uh, spreadsheet of a risk assessment that we could have an educated conversation about that and say, no man, just change the part <laughs> and not change the whole unit. So having that dialogue in that uh, concept meeting to let them know, hey, this is coming, this is what I'm about to do for you, let's go ahead and get that assessment scheduled it is a powerful piece that, that I, that's how I use it. Any more conversations or topics uh, or th thoughts on that topic before we switch over to the uh, DocuSign real quick? Can you hear me? Yeah. Is that Garson? Yeah, we, I mean, yeah. Hey, I, I, 
I'm in my car, sorry. Um, hey, what's up, Gerson? Um, yeah, we've just uh, historically called that a heat map, right? Is that, I mean, is that how you're presenting it? Is this the heat map for where they are based on the age of the equipment? I've never heard it called that, but that makes sense. Yeah. It's like a state of the union, okay. if you will. Okay. Very good. I just, I saw it. I haven't really opened up your spreadsheet. I've had like 800 things going on this week, but, um, but it's looking at it on here while I'm driving. Yeah, that's, we, we've made those in the past and we just called them a heat map, but if you've got a great template, that's fantastic. And Rich, I love your idea of putting refrigerant in there because that's a, uh, yeah, it's a talking point these days with a lot of folks. I would highly suggest, Garson, while you're driving, is a great time to be looking at all the spreadsheets. Yeah, well, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do that. I'm going to get my laptop out. I ain't got time to hop in. I do it while I'm driving. So, if, if you come up with something that is an addition or uh, a change to the spreadsheet idea and you would like to share it with us, I'm sure everybody would be open to just making it that much better. Um, all right, so let me just talk for two seconds about this thing that I've been doing. Uh, I started out being very sketchy about it because the first four times or so that I tried to send somebody a DocuSign contract, I got all this, you know, you see them click open it and they opened it and then it would click and spin and spin and spin and I'm just like on pins and needles waiting for them to sign and they never sign and then I text them, hey, what's going on? They say, I can't get it to work. So I don't know if anybody else has tried a DocuSign, but one quick thing, and it's not a lot to, to talk about here, but one quick thing that you have to do is you have to sign it first. So this is just a sample here. Let me show you this. This is just a sample template that I pulled up. It, uh, nothing fancy. I didn't make any changes to it. I just opened up a template. But I, I want to show you that you go right here to people and you click people and this little section that pops up, this blank, you say add people. And this is where you go in and you type in, you know, it doesn't matter the order that you do it here. But you could you could put Matt and it'll find my name, and it this is the order that matters. So I put me as as number one. I'm a signer, yes. And you say add another recipient, and you go up here and you put the customer's name. So I'm going to put uh, just put Roger, just as being the customer. And so Roger's the signer number two. And then you say add another recipient and I'm going to put Kent, well that didn't work, I'll put Christy. Uh, so she'll be like the general manager that signs the contract once our customer Roger signs it. Uh, you can also add a person on here if you have, like, like I had a facilities guy that wanted to be aware that it was being sent to the person but he wasn't a signer. So I, you can add that fourth person here as a fourth person, but make them not a signer. It, he kind of gets it when it's over and all, uh, once it's all signed, he gets a copy of it. It's not a big deal, but I've learned that on my most recent um, church sale. So once you get these people in here, then you hit done. 
As you can see here, it's got signer number one, signer number two, and signer number three. Um, give me one second. All right, it's very important that you don't go in here under integrations and change this. It should say conga or conga, conga sign. Don't use DocuSign and don't use Calibrate eSign from my experience. My experience says these don't work. They do it weird and the, the signing parts not lined up very well. It doesn't look very good. It's, it's kind of just strange. Um, so I would use conga sign. That's what works best for me. It, it, it actually lines up the signatures very well on the signature page and, and does a nice job tallying it all up. So, yeah, that, that is right. Yeah, we've gone to conga sign and not docu sign, you know, a year ago, several months ago, whatever it was. But yes, that is the well, one to use. I'm glad you have the history there because I, I didn't have all the history. I just had to find it out the hard way. But use conga sign is my suggestion. So you got the people in there. You got conga sign. Um, you can make it a PDF if you want so they can print it out as a PDF on the signature page. I don't think it's a big deal. Some people don't like to allow it to be printed as a PDF. I don't really care. I, I feel like my customer, if I get to this stage, he's ready to go, so it's not a big deal. But you just say publish now. And once you say publish now, uh, it's ready to be published. You go to next steps and you say send email. This is where you put in the three people. So it's going to send an email to me. It's going to send an email to Roger. And it's going to send an email to Christy. And then I don't ever read this or change it, but these are the templates that automatically fill in the customer's name and all their phone number and everything. You just hit send. And it first sent the email. If you notice, your email has been sent to the following recipients, Matt Warren. So it sent the first one to me. The customer doesn't get anything yet. Roger didn't get anything or Christy didn't get anything. So you hit done. Then I can go to my email and you have to go to the email and actually do the DocuSign. Um, DocuSign. <laughs> whatever you want to call it. I, I just, you know, it's like Kleenex. It's, it's just DocuSign to me, but uh, the Conga sign. So let me just go real quick to my email. Uh, bear with me one second. So it's going to come into the your, your inbox. You simply go down here and say view document. This is the main point of why I wanted to show you all this. The main point that I've learned is you have to sign it first. And once you sign it, then like you, you, you don't have to read it. You don't have to do anything. Just say accept. And it's preparing it to sign. Once you do this and you sign it, then it kicks it to the customer. It kicks it to that second signature person. And you hit I agree right here. And you scroll down. And it's got... All you have to do is click signature, adopt and sign, title, you type in, I always type in what's on my business card, 
building. You see that we're not able to see that. We're oh, shoot. Okay. All right. Thank you for correcting me. I knew we'd have a lot of that going on today, going through these tools. Yeah, it's, it's tough when, they, when you're sharing your screen and you open up these different screens. How about there? Follow you. Can you see that now? Yep. So you just type in your title and then it, it's done. I, I kind of scroll through it to make sure everything's in there and at the very bottom it's got these three signatures and you fill your name in there. Once you say complete signing, yours, your part's done. It says, thank you for signing. A confirmation email is sent to all parties uh, when all parties have finished signing. But all you got to know is that it just now sent Roger an email and it's going to say, uh, Roger, your, your document is ready to sign and he'll open it up and see that I've signed it. But if you don't ever sign it first via DocuSign, they then they don't ever get it. And that was the problem I was having when I was trying to do DocuSign. I had to hear it from a guy on a link call uh, to learn that little piece of information. Is this going to lock me in for a year? And what's going on over here? I don't know. Don't worry, man. Yeah, we're going to have this service 30 day written. You can can cancel at any time, Roger. I don't, I don't feel comfortable with this. I'd rather just replace my units than uh, do maintenance on. Thanks. <laughs> uh, and I don't know. I, I don't blame you. I do the same thing. I, I'm sure you guys know this, but for those that have never used this before, the great piece about this is you get to see every time your email every time they view it. So I can see when it was accepted, I can see when the customer viewed it and they spent five minutes on it and then they accepted it. And then I could call Christy and say, hey, open up your email, sign it, <laughs> you know. Uh, but that's the most powerful piece about all this and it saves that two hours of driving to the customer and having to get them to fill it out. There are some obviously where it makes more sense. They're old school, they like to sign it. You like to sign it, I get that too. but. Sometimes some of these squirrels were out here shooting. It's just easier to send them a DocuSign. They're used to DocuSign. A lot of insurance documents are DocuSign. A lot of house paperwork DocuSign these days. So thoughts, comments, discussion on that feature? No, it's you can afford my... What? I said, Roger, we know what your commission check is. You can afford making. <laughs> Shoot, you can just replace them. <laughs> Straight cash, how many? <laughs> Anybody had any success using DocuSign or the DocuSign or Conga Sign feature? I mean, I've gone through and I, I've used it in the past. I just, you know, I, I've had several scenarios and the emails they get sent get stuck in their spam or whatever like yeah no I never received it never you know never got it or whatever and like you then I'm like you know feel like you're you know walking up pits dealing waiting like just you know every email you get you're just like oh is it it is it it you know so it's kind of it has it it has its application it's not a perfect thing for everything I just wanted to move past that issue of why it wasn't working it was driving me nuts to figure out why it wasn't actually yeah. letting them sign it and it wasn't because I wasn't signing it myself yeah the key is, is make sure that I mean it, 
you are the first signer. Yeah. So set yourself first. If you screw up and put the customer as the number one signer, then, you know, or, or yeah, it'll... If you do it in the order that they actually sign it in person, you know, like where you sign it first and they're number two in the middle and then the GM is the last one or the sales manager is the last one, you set it up that way in the email part. Um, it's pretty it, It's pretty neat. But Yes. And I will say, you know, once you've gone in there and once you've published it, that document can no longer be changed. Right. So if you need to go in there and add a provision, or if they say, "Hey, can you go ahead and add this?" Now you got to start all. You got to copy it or clone it or whatever it is, and start a whole new one. So it is easy to copy, though. Yeah. It just. Yeah. Yeah. There. Yeah. There. There is. Uh, but that was one of the, the battles that I fought was anytime anybody wanted to change something or modify something, you know. Once it's a published document, you can't. And, yeah, it's just, be aware of that. All right. Um, so the other part I was just going to share about is some of the success I've, have, I've had recently on just calling a few people, um, trying to get appointments. I, I feel like I've got to have something that's out there that's different, that's getting attention. Um, a, a lot of the struggle with getting a cold call or setting an appointment is just breaking through the, you know, getting them off the, whatever they were currently working on when you called them. Um, I like to start out by saying the line that Todd said, you know, I, I solve building performance problems for big energy users. You know, the ones with six figure energy bills um, I don't use the six-figure energy bills parts if they don't have six-figure energy bills, but a lot of times I'm calling on larger buildings these days. Uh, but start with that, and then uh, I always, here recently, I've, I've been using the whole predictive maintenance verbiage. Um, a lot of times they don't know what that is, they don't know um, what it's about, and they've all heard of pre preventative maintenance. So I'm just using it to get the appointment, to get in front of them. I'm, I'm not misleading them or anything, but several times when I've said I'm, I, I want to go talk about predictive maintenance and we get there in front of them and they're nowhere near being qualified for something like a dynamic, but it got the appointment. But then there's times where they actually are interested. Uh, they've had many pitches for preventative maintenance they've heard the flip book or they've talked to many of our competitors and they're kind of exhausted about talking about preventative maintenance um, so having something dig you know, different to talk about has helped a lot and when i get there i just share with them how you know we're able to tie in to their existing building automation system and if they have one and, and we're able to collect data and use the internet of things to to tell when that motor is overheating and notice when it's overheated over the last several months uh, it's not acting right let's let's catch that before it actually goes out or if it's supposed to be putting out 55 degree air and it's been putting out 62 63 to get 63 degree air how do you know that we're able to use that data 
uh, based on the Internet of Things, and if it makes sense, tie into your building automation system that you currently have. We're not adding any kind of extra pieces, probably, um, and I'm speaking toward the Clockworks feature there, but it's just having a conversation that's different than belts and filters. I'm so tired of having a belts and filter conversation, uh, and I think a lot of the customers are that we're talking to. It's, it's we do much more than that, and I think setting it up for the cold call, I'm able to get some appointments, um, and I just wanted to share that and open it up and hear what you guys are using, and if you've able been able to use anything else that might be working that we would all learn from, I'd love to hear it. I'll pause there for feedback. I know there's a lot of folks out there calling making appointments, so there should, there should be some good feedback. Yeah, Matt, I like that. Um, you know, I like the predictive maintenance piece on the cold call, just again to introduce something different. Um, I'm not entirely sure if our competitors are all making cold calls like we are, um, like the bigger ones or even your mom and pop shops. So I'm not sure how many of these calls in this, um, of this type they're receiving, but that's definitely you know a differentiator than I'm assuming a lot of other companies are calling on them about. Um, and for me, you know, what's been working with setting appointments is just the idea of reintroducing the company. You know, again, a lot of our Greenville buildings are buildings that we've been in before um, in some capacity, whether that's for a concept meeting or we've done business with them in the past. So being able to introduce myself for the first time, but also reintroduce Total Comfort um, has been something that uh, has gotten appointments. Um, and they, they've wanted to you know, sit down and, and rehash perhaps the past dialogue we've had with them or talk about the, the recent business we've done with them. So i got a quick question. So when it comes to trying to get the concept meeting with a business person, leading with, you know, maintenance as far as like predictive maintenance how often do you get kickback of you know either a how often do they say yeah i'd love to talk to you about predictive maintenance or how often do they kick you down the chain and say hey this is you know i have somebody else that handles that here's my maintenance manager yeah one quick thing i forgot to add on that was i i tie the predictive maintenance piece into their critical systems so I, I, I'm like with this college I called on, it was, um, you know, what are your critical systems? Oh yeah, we've got the, the dorm rooms and we've got this auditorium and we've got this, you know, so trying to speak to those critical zones and get, get their feedback on, I, mean, I know you have some critical zones with Riverbank Zoo, it's the penguin uh, area, <laughs> you know, uh, talking to those areas that are critical um, with the executive person that I was calling on, they don't want those systems to go down and they know that those critical areas are, can be impacted. They're not the HVAC person. I, I always use the word, instead of HVAC, I always use mechanical systems. Um, and then once they say, well, what does that mean? You know, mechanical systems as it relates to your HVAC system and your overall building performance. I like to use those words um, to, just as a change up from, yeah, I'm here to talk about 
your heating and cooling and your filters. <laughs> and Rob, to answer your question too a little bit, just because it does happen quite often that you know the CEO, COO, um, those folks do try and bump it down to maintenance or facilities. You know, at that point, you say, or I've been saying, you know, we at some point we would love to meet with those people. Like they are going to be part of this process, a big part of it. Um, but I want to have this first more business type meeting with you and discuss some things that I think were probably important to you before we get into the nuts and bolts of it with maintenance or facilities. But they'll be a big part of the assessment. We can talk about that more. But we really like to meet with, with folks like you first. That works. Comes on time. And with that whole predictive maintenance piece, one of the neat things to be able to talk about it, um, I'll give you a quick story. When I was selling solar, one of the best lines that I had when I was selling solar was because everybody wanted to talk to you if you were there to talk about solar. They were all excited about it, and it was something that they wanted to just pick your brain about what the credits are and how it related to them and if they could do it or not. I would always use the line of, I don't know if you're going to qualify. And so with this whole predictive maintenance piece, to be able to say, look, I don't know if you're going to qualify. I don't know if your critical systems are going to qualify for this whole predictive maintenance piece. I would just like to get 10 minutes of your time to sit down and meet you and share with you and show you. I always say show you because if you say share with you, they'll say, well, I got five minutes. Go ahead and share with me what you're doing. I always say just give me 10 minutes. I'd love to just show you what we're doing as it relates to building performance and uh, this whole predictive maintenance piece. Um, but that whole idea of, I don't know if you're going to qualify. You know, I'm not sure if you're going to qualify, sir, for us to work with you or not. I would just like to simply meet you. Because the truth is, we don't know if their building is going to qualify for us to put dynamic on their building. So it's the truth. I'm not speaking out of line. I'm not misleading them. If if it doesn't work, if they're too small, if they're not, you know, if they're a manufacturing facility, Todd doesn't want to do those right now. So I'm not, I, I'm not saying something that we're not already doing, but that whole idea of coming in, coming in hot, coming in confident, coming in with tonality, like I've got something you got to see. I don't know if you're going to qualify for it or not. I just want to share it with you and show you what we're doing. Um, how about Tuesday at, at, at 3 o'clock? Will that work for you? I'm going to be right next door. I won't waste your time. I always use that line. I won't waste your time. And normally it, you know, it, it works some of the times. <laughs> Anybody else have messaging that's working to get uh, you know, appointments with the business person? I know everybody's setting concept meetings. Julio, what are you saying? I'm there, Rob. I just had to take it off the mute. It's probably a combination of the things you've heard. A lot of it depends on who's on the phone. Um, and it's got to do with just wanting to brief meet and greet to further introduce myself and our company. Um, depending on who I'm talking to, I can't, I can't go down the route of I don't know if I say predictive maintenance, but I talk about building performance and what does that mean is the next question that I want. 
Well, that's what I want to come in and show you. I, I like how that says show you to, to, to share with you. That's what I want to come in and show you. And immediately, I mean, just back to basics, how about next Tuesday at 2 o'clock? And what's, as you guys know, what's on the calendar, you kind of want that part of it. So the messaging isn't very complex. It's, you don't have much time, and it's just a lot of, you know, I want to introduce myself and our company, further introduce myself and our company. That's awesome. I heard one uh, podcast, um, and they said, uh, expect to ask for the, the appointment time three times. <laughs> and I, I love that because it, it gets in my head, okay, I'm not, gonna, I'm not just going to ask one time. I'm going to expect to ask, you know, uh, even if they're going to come back and say, well, what are we meeting about? Well, I give them an answer, and then I say, okay, how about Tuesday at 3 o'clock? Does that work for you, or would, would Friday be better? And, and just kind of ask three different ways, three different times for that appointment really helps because the whole point is not to sell them on the phone. It's just, just to get that face-to-face with them and get, you know, go straight to the time. And a lot of times I, I start off – yeah, go ahead, Julio. Go ahead and finish. I thought you were done. Go ahead and finish. Well, I, I was just going to say something about – uh, in the very beginning, I normally try to say something like the reason for my call. The reason for my call is to get 10 minutes on your calendar. I, I'm going to be right next door on, on Thursday around 930. I was hoping to stop by and just introduce myself and show you what we're doing as it relates to building performance, as it relates to you know, predictive maintenance or whatever I'm going to say. But that's, that's time number one that I mentioned it. And then I, I pause and let them talk and then I'll say, does 9.30 work for you? <laughs> you know, it, it's that, that's number two, and then try it one more time. Got it. And so I'm thinking back to the, and I thought about it before my call, back to our one meeting at Con Ed, where the individual was talking about setting appointments. And again, it was really five simple steps. You want to use their name as the attention grabber. I don't know that I'll remember all of them, but certainly you want to use your name and introduce yourself. You want to tell them what you do, building performance, and the purpose of the call is to make the appointment. And then ask for the appointment Tuesday at 5 o'clock. And there's very few variables in there that we can change. Uh, the one is what is that we do. It's building performance or it's predictive maintenance or it's wanting a few minutes of your time, wanting to introduce myself on our company, right? All we're doing is change number three. Yeah. I would ask that name dropping is huge. He's muted. It's a new ball. Hey guys, I got a, a jump here at, at, at one o'clock. We've got a call with the school system, but does anybody have any final thoughts in the last three minutes or might want to close this out with some yeah, good? I'll, uh, I'll close this out, but um, no, Matt, great job. Um, obviously, you've uh, have, have rise above on your abilities to 
you uh, utilize technology to harness your uh, your skills. So great job with that. Um, you know, I, I encourage everybody to you know if you're going through you know your sales process, if there are any specialized tools or whatever to you know to share, you know the rising tide kind of thing. You know, looking at the, the tools that, that Matt has done, um, we do have similar tools, but they're not, obviously not as, as well done as Matt did. But um, you know, reach out to folks because there are there are those tools around. Not to say they would you know couldn't be updated and uh, improved upon, but um, that's good. Um, I don't know if anybody has any any you know last minute like sales successes or anything that they. Yeah, wanted wanted to share, but here we've got you know another little bit less than a week to close out uh, first quarter. So, um, hope there's a lot of a lot of bronzes out there to to capture. I was just going to say, uh, you know, we have a, an MSR call every day, seven thirty in the morning. You know, typically it's Matt, Gus, Justin, you know, some of the newer guys, but, you know, on those calls we're always talking about how can we help each other. So if you guys, you know, anybody outside of those four, especially some of the senior guys like Garson, Rob, Julio, if you guys want to jump on it, the more the merrier. It definitely helps us, you know, figure out how to do this job better, figure out how to do just become more efficient, hey, proficient. Um, so 7.30 every morning, I don't know if you guys have the invites, but um, it would certainly be helpful to hear from some of you senior guys to, you know, just ways to better do the job. Yeah, they've, they've, been, they've been sent out, so everybody should have them on their, their calendar. Garson, if you were talking, you're muted still. Matt, I don't appreciate you calling me a senior citizen. <laughs> uh, no, you're not. You're not. You're not a senior citizen. You're seasoned. But you said senior. I heard you. I'm not that. Hey, I'll see. I, I'm gonna get on that call. I'm gonna get on a couple of those calls next week because I could use some more motivation to be good. I, I'll tell you something, man. We could use your wisdom. I don't have any wisdom. I'm gonna sit there and listen. I need all y'all. Well, all everything y'all got to split. Show me. I'm going to MSR training again in May, so maybe I'll learn something new. Good. It's it's a big, good training. See you guys. Thanks. And I'm going to, Kent, you told me on it. I'm going to go like you did. When I, I need a sound to come up. I got you. I can hear you guys. Hey. Awesome. All right. All right. I don't know if Al is joining, but I don't think Al's traveling today. Okay. Okay. Well, we got we got our team here, so I am going to Mike. If you want to take over, I, I know Matt's taking notes, and I'm here. Uh, but Mike, you've got all the updates and things, so I'm gonna let you roll. Yeah. Hey, Don. Okay. Hope you're feeling better. I'm getting there. Please stay separate again. <laughs> yeah. I understand that. I say 40. 
Uh, where we are, we're just about finished with all the high schools. We've got a little bit left at Spring Hill, a little bit left at Bates Center, 